Hello, I'm Nathan Albinia and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, 2nd of August 2023. First this week, we'd like to start with a special thank you to Rob for all his selfless support and contributions to the Talking News. Thanks, Rob. We truly appreciate all your hard work. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 880 111. We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading for you this week, we have myself, Nathan, Angela, Ian, Christine, Helen, Liz, Mina, Simon, and of course, not forgetting, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have local news for the black country, including a feature article with sight loss tips on how to recognise money. The quiz with Mina, an update from Beacon, a special edition of VI Sports News, a regional focus on the local authority teams who can help you shape the future of your community, a did you know section from Flashback Roger. We also have the weather for the week ahead and with something a little different this week. We have a short dramatic piece stacked full of comedy. But local news to start though, with Christine, but up first, Angela. Last week, Chiltern Railways powered a fleet of passenger trains with vegetable oil. Hydro-treated vegetable oil, HVO, becoming the first train operator to do so in the UK. HVO is made mostly of used cooking oils and can reduce greenhouse gas emissions by up to 90% compared to diesel. Richard Allen, Managing Director, said the operator was determined to operate a railway that was easier, greener and better for its customers. The train operator, which runs services between our region and London, is using the biofuel, which is more expensive than diesel, to power its Class 68 locomotives as part of efforts to decarbonise its operations. Mr Allen said the conversion in fuel would make a big difference and would help to minimise the impact of trains on the environment. This is a strong step in the right direction and we want to do more, he added. About 29% of the trains in the UK are run solely on diesel, 
but the government has set a target of phasing out any diesel-only trains by 2040. Rail Minister Hugh Merriman added, Trains are already one of the greenest ways to travel, and we want to build on this further by creating a rail industry that helps us achieve our ambitious net zero targets and delivers even more benefits for passengers. A reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by up to 90% is an incredible achievement that gets us one step closer to realising these, and I commend Chilton on pioneering this fuel. Now, unlike HVO, not all fats, oils and greases are going in the right direction. Unfortunately, some are still finding a much more disruptive route into our sewers. Fatbergs may be just the story that could put you off your food, for which we apologise. But Seven Trent are working with black country restaurants in a bid to combat the monstrosities that lurk beneath. To help clear things up, here's Christine. And yes, you may just want to put that cuppa down. Three black country Nandos are being fitted with revolutionary technology to stop fats, oils and grease creating fatbergs in Seven Trent Waters pipes. Fatberg blockages cause the water company massive outlays and disruption, but Nandos in Dudley, Wolverhampton and Bentley Bridge are trialling the specially fitted equipment. One fatberg in the region weighed an astonishing 300 tonnes and was one kilometre in length and took days to clear out by seven Trent teams. Sam McCarthy, head of sustainability at Nando's, said, We are fired up to find new ways to be more sustainable and to be kinder to our environment. Effective fats, oils and greases, fog management, is just one example of this and we are currently trialling different systems of bog catches across a number of our restaurants in the Seven Trent area. We are continuing to monitor fog arrangements in our restaurants on internal audits and run regular internal reminders and retraining on processes for restaurants. He added, we know this is a journey and we are delighted to be working with Seven Trent. Helping people to understand how and why to avoid blockages is a big priority for Seven Trent as they can cause sewer flooding and pollution incidents. Latest data shows in one year the company inspected around 37,000 sewers, cleansed around 18,000 pipes and repaired around 7,700 pipes. With support from partners ECAS, Seven Trent is also engaging with local FSEs, food service establishments, and has made nearly a thousand visits to restaurants, cafes and other eateries across the Seven Trent region in the last four months alone, resulting in 527,000 litres of fog being stopped from going into the sewer network. Since Seven Trent started the FSE scheme, a total of 10 million litres have been tracked and 76% of the food firms working with the water company have installed correctly sized and maintained grease trapping equipment. 
Grant Mitchell, fog expert at Seven Trent, said teaming up with Nando's to put the environment on the menu will help reduce damaging drain blockages to avoid potential fatbergs. Putting the wrong thing down the drain can have a devastating impact on communities and the environment. Fats, oils and greases, fog, solidify quickly once it leaves the sink. Other unflushables then attach, creating fatbergs, which then block the drain or sewer. Having effective grease management equipment in place means FSEs can prevent drain and sewer blockages, avoid clear-out charges and in some cases avoid prosecution. And in a message to other FSE companies, Grant added, If you don't currently have any grease management equipment in place, now is the best time to talk to us. We can visit you and see what you need. We will work with you to make sure you choose the right equipment for your business needs. We know blockages can be a horrible experience for our customers and we want to help them stop this from happening. So we are continuing to let customers know about what should and shouldn't go down the sink or loo, Grant said. We can all play a part in helping keep our sewers free of fog. To do that, it's vital we should only ever flush the three P's down the toilet. Poo, pee and paper. Up next, we hear from Helen, who, as usual, has our latest Beacon update. Hi, everyone. It's Helen from Beacon. How are you doing? I hope you're keeping okay. I'm making the most of summer, despite the weather not quite getting the memo. Certainly not, I don't think. Now, first up this week, it's competition time. We need the help of our members to design a new thank you card for our charity. It will go out to hundreds of Beacon supporters each year. Entries must consist of a word thank you, but it's up to you how you create it. The words could be painted, drawn, sewed or even knitted. All entries should be given into reception at our Sedgley Centre by Friday, the 1st of September 2023, and they must contain your full name and contact number. The winning design will be printed on the front of our new cards. How exciting! The competition is open to anyone who receives support from Beacon, and if you've got any questions, email supporters at beaconvision.org or give us a ring on 01902 880 Good luck. Now, did you know that we have our own transport service here at Beacon? Well, over the past year, our transport team have completed more than 300 journeys. Wow. Taking visually impaired people to our centre and out into the community. If you want to find out more about how our door-to-door service could work for you, get in touch. Call us on 01902 880 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org. Last this week, if you know a little one starting school in September, you can celebrate their big day with our handcrafted first day flag. It comes with a pack of crayons so the recipient can complete their masterpiece, which will be the perfect photo prop when the day comes. You can also get them and any older children who'll be heading back to the classroom their own 3D printed name tag for their bag. Their ideal gifts and purchasing from Beacon's Made by Fab Lab range means that you'll be helping people to live well with sight loss too. Shop now via our Etsy site. It's etsy.com and our shop call is called Made by Fab Lab. That's it for this week. 
I'll be back again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for that update, Helen. Next up, we have another block of local news. And up first, we hear from Christine. Locals have reacted with sadness to the news that landmark black country pub The Crooked House has been sold for alternative use and is unlikely to open its doors to drinkers again. Customers and visitors were informed in a Facebook post on the Crooked House 2022 page that the landmark boozer in Himley had shut its doors after being sold to a private buyer. A spokesperson for Marston's later confirmed the pub had been sold and at this stage they were unable to disclose any details on the buyer or price. The beloved pub is one of 61 that Wolverhampton-based Marston's has been looking to offload after carrying out a review of its UK estate. The quirky building was famed for being the place where coins and marbles seemingly rolled uphill along the bar. However, the Crooked House has struggled to attract the amount of custom it once did, with the area also becoming a target for fly-tippers and the access road approaching it in need of repair. It is believed Marston's were reluctant to keep it open for these reasons, listing it for sale earlier this year with a guide price of £675,000. In recent weeks, it was also forced to close its doors when tens of thousands of pounds of damage was caused during a break-in. So why and how did a quaint setting become Britain's most lopsided and wonkiest pub? Here's Angela to tell us all about the farmhouse, an owner and that sinking feeling. In its heyday, the Crooked House attracted visitors from across the globe, China, Japan and the United States to name but a few. But a few decades earlier, it almost faced the bulldozers. Visitors to the Black Country pub have marvelled at its gravity-defying appearance since mining subsidence caused one side of the building to sink in the mid-1800s. The Glen Arms, as it was more correctly known for most of its life, was originally built as a private farmhouse in 1765. The Glynn family were prominent landowners in the area, with their 100-acre oak farm stretching from Kingswinford to Gornal. The building, now known as the Crooked House, was built at the northern extremity of the site between Himley and Gornal. In March 1815, Sir Stephen Glynn Baronet died in Nice, leaving both his baronetcy and oak farm to his seven-year-old son, also called Stephen. At this time, these lands were wholly agricultural, but as the younger Sir Stephen grew up, he began to take advantage of the Industrial Revolution which was gripping the area. In 1835, he and his brother-in-law, future Prime Minister William Gladstone, co-founded the Oak Farm Ironworks and began mining the area extensively. Records also show that, by 1840, the land was owned by the Oak Farm Colliery Company, of which Sir Stephen was a major shareholder. To meet the needs of the thirsty miners, farm and factory workers, the farmhouse was converted to a pub sometime in the 1830s. 
for all the ambitions of its owners, or maybe because of them, the Oak Farm business empire collapsed in 1848, leaving both Glynn and Gladstone severely out of pocket. It was later said that the experience proved a valuable grounding in the harsh world of economics when he later became Chancellor of the Exchequer and later Prime Minister. And it seems Sir Stephen's business empire was not the only thing on the brink of collapse. About the same time, the extensive mine workings beneath the pub began to crumble, causing the subsidence which has left one side of the building four foot lower than the other. Following the collapse, the pub became known as the Sidon House or Crooked House. A series of postcards published in the 1920s showed how visitors would marvel as bottles and marbles appeared to roll uphill, curtains hung away from the window frames and the grandfather clock appeared about to topple over at any moment. But while it had a certain novelty appeal, there were also growing concerns about its safety. In the 1940s, it was condemned and appeared set for demolition, but was saved when Wolverhampton and Dudley Breweries brought the pub and added supporting girders and reinforced buttresses to stop it sinking any further. An extension was later added to the back of the building, housing a new lounge and conservatory. In September 2002, the structural improvements were put to the test when the area was shaken by the famous Dudley earthquake, whose epicentre was less than a third of a mile away. The pub stood firm, with no damage. Over the years, numerous celebrities, including the cast of Coronation Street and pop group Bucks Fizz, have frequented the pub, which also featured on the cover of a Fine Young Cannibals album. Sir Stephen, who, like his brother-in-law, also served for many years as an MP, died in 1874. Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, these are your questions. Here we go. Question 1. Which playing card represents Julius Caesar? Question 2. On an equestrian statue, what feature depicts the fate of its rider? Question 3. What word is commonly known as the largest word in the English language without a vowel? Question 4. What is it possible to do if you sneeze too hard? Question 5. Which heavenly body affects our weight? And finally, question 6. 
which is the strongest muscle in the human body. I will be back with you later in the show, but for now, best of luck. Cheers for those questions, Mina. Hmm, I'll get my mind working on them. Up now, however, is another block of local news. Wolverhampton Council is asking members of the public for their views to help shape their new education, skills and employment strategy for the city. The council has launched a consultation on their draft strategy, which sets out a collaborative approach to meet future skills and employment needs in the city. This involves linking up new and emerging business sectors with the city's training and skills offer to create a local talent pipeline which stimulates growth. The views of the public and stakeholders will help ensure the proposed aims and objectives are achievable and that the Council's vision meets the needs of the city. Councillor Louise Miles, Cabinet Member for Jobs and Skills, said, A lifelong approach to supporting people into local jobs is necessary to help people capitalise on the opportunities the new City Learning Quarter will provide and to better connect them to the jobs that are being created by the multi-million pound investment that is being made in our city in different industry sectors. The Council cannot address this challenge in isolation. It is therefore absolutely essential that we lead and drive a coordinated and sustained response with City employers and partners, the West Midlands Combined Authority and Government Departments. A one city response, with our citizens and their voices at the centre of every element of the response. I would therefore urge people to have their say on the draft education skills and employment strategy for the city. Councillor Chris Burden, Cabinet Member for Children, Young People and Education, added, This strategy will have a profound impact on our residents, whether they are at school, college, university, in training or in work. And so it is vitally important that everyone takes the opportunity to contribute to its development. The consultation will close on Friday, August the 18th. It is being hosted on Citizen Space and can be accessed on the Council's website. Residents in Staffordshire are being asked to give their views on how older people should be supported in the county. The survey, which has been launched by Staffordshire County Council, aims to understand how they can support people to stay in their own homes, have quality of life and live independently for as long as possible, and provide the right care and support as they need it. The County Council said it is interested in hearing the views of people over 65 who receive services, as well as people who have experience of social care support for older residents and those aged 50 and over who might be thinking about the services they will need as they age. Data from the survey will then be used to develop a new strategy to influence what organisations should address over the next five years. As well as residents, the County Council will be seeking the views of professionals and other key organisations. County Councillor Julia Jessel, Cabinet Member for Health and Care, said, As people age, it is important that they are supported to maintain their independence and quality of life for as long as possible, with the right care and support as they need it. This is why we want as many people as possible to fill in this survey. 
This really is a good opportunity for people to help us understand how we can support older people to stay in their own homes and live independently. The information we receive will really help us when we put together our strategy. The survey can be accessed by going to Staffordshire County Council's website and is open until August the 11th. I'm sure you will all have some vital contributions to both the survey in Wolverhampton and this one in Staffordshire. But have you ever had any fabulous ideas on how to shape your community but never been quite sure who to turn to? Well, the Black Country Talking News were very fortunate to catch up with Dudley Council's community development team for Dudley North, who may be able to provide the guidance and help you need to get started. Hello, my name is Julie Austin and I am a community development worker for the Dudley North area, which is Sedgley, Cosley East, Upper and Lower Gornal and Woodsetton. I work for the local authority, Dudley Council, and we come under the umbrella of public health. So I am all about making sure that people are happy, safe within their own homes and the community they live with. People in Dudley have some great ideas about ways to make their community better, but they don't always know how to get started. This is where me and my team of community development workers can help. We listen, we build trust, and we share ideas and connect the people and the groups that we work with to support resources, possible venues to help them with their ideas, put them in touch with like-minded groups of the same interests or activities, We can do so much more. Now, working in this way, we can help to create stronger, happier, more confident communities who work together and trust each other. As I say, I belong to a team of seven community development workers and we work across the borough. If you have any ideas or would like to find out more, I would love to hear from you. My email is julie.austin at dudley.gov.uk. So that is julie.austin, spelt A-U-S-T-I-N, at dudley.gov.uk. If you prefer, you can give me a call on 07870 Now, just a little bit of background about myself. I have always worked with people. I've worked with young children, teenagers and adults. I started off in education. I then went on to working with children and adults with special needs and from there I transferred over to adult social care. Now this has led me naturally onto this position now, which I love. I am very passionate about supporting the community and the people within the local communities, empowering them to put their ideas into action. I am very proactive and I like nothing more than meeting new people, hopefully over a cuppa and if I'm lucky with a piece of cake and getting things sorted for the better, keeping everyone safe and happy within their own homes and the area in which they live. So please don't hesitate to contact me if you'd like to know more about me or my team or how I can support you moving forward, especially if you have some good ideas I can work with. Have a lovely day. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye now. Next up, we have another block of local news.
previous month, we mentioned how the latest figures from National Lottery Operator Camelot showed how the region was the luckiest in the country for lottery millionaire winners. Well, guess what? It's only gone and struck again. As a Staffordshire man has scooped a whopping one million prize in the Euro Millions UK Millionaire Maker. The mystery winner became a millionaire after scooping a winning ticket in the Euro Millions UK Millionaire Maker event. Andy Carter, Senior Winners Advisory at the National Lottery, said, What incredible news! He's become a million pounds richer overnight and can now buy his dream home. The Staffordshire resident now plans to buy a new home with the winnings before putting the rest into savings. As well as giving players the chance to win millions of pounds in their list of games, the National Lottery also raises around £30 million every week for good causes across the UK. To date, over £475 billion has been raised for National Lottery good causes, with more than 670,000 individual grants awarded. Being able to recognise money, both coins and notes, is crucial to independence. So, here's a reminder of some top tips from some leading sight loss charities to help you manage your money with confidence. Oh, and of course, to count your winnings too. Identifying coins. Coins can be distinguished by rubbing your fingernail over the edge of the coin. In the UK, they are in pairs. The contrast in size in each pair, as well as the different edges and colours of the metals, make it easier for blind or partially sighted people to identify the coins. Here are a few tips. 1p with 2p. Have a smooth edge, the 1p being smaller and the 2p being the larger coin, made with a copper-coloured metal. 5p with 10p. Have a rough edge, the 5p being smaller and the 10p being the larger coin, made of nickel, a silver colour. 20p with 50p. Have an angular edge, the 20p being smaller and the 50p being the larger coin, made of nickel, a silver colour. £1 with £2 much thicker edges than the other coins, the £1 being smaller and the £2 being the larger coin, made with a gold and a silver coloured metal. Learn how to recognise banknotes. As of the 20th of February 2020, Polymer £5, £10 and £20 banknotes have been in circulation, with a Polymer £50 banknote released in 2021. Like the old paper banknotes, they are different sizes. However, the Polymer banknotes have an additional tactile feature so that visually impaired people can distinguish between the different notes without any aids or support and without the need to be organised before going out. The clusters of raised dots are square-shaped, with four dots in each square. For those who are familiar with Braille, the dots form the same shape as a Braille letter G. 
The Bank of England acknowledges that the purpose of the tactile feature is to help visually impaired people identify each banknote, highlighting that they were considered throughout the design process. The new banknote design allows visually impaired people to manage cash more efficiently and spontaneously. It is a great example of how such a vital product can go from being partially accessible to very accessible through a simple design tweak. £5 The £5 note does not have any tactile feature. However, it is the only polymer banknote in circulation that does not have any tactile feature. So the absence of the tactile feature indicates its £5 denomination. £10 The £10 polymer banknote features two clusters of raised dots. £20. The £20 polymer banknote features three clusters of raised dots. And if you've been lucky enough to have a few £50 notes in your wallet, you'll know the £50 polymer banknote features four clusters of raised dots. Some other useful tips. Look out for audio cash machines. Most cash machines in the UK are now audio cash points with a port for headphones. The keypads should also have a raised dot on the number 5, which helps to navigate the numbers when using it. You can find nearby audio ATMs using the app Link ATM Locator, a free app that identifies your closest ATM and lets you know whether it has an audio feature. Try image recognition technology. There are lots of applications, apps, that use AI, artificial intelligence, to narrate the world around you. Examples of which are Microsoft's Seeing AI and Google's Google Lookout. Both apps are free to download from the App Store on your smartphone and or tablet. They may be able to help with tasks such as reading handwriting, letters or newspapers, recognising people, identifying food labels or medication boxes, and through the currency mode, identify different banknotes. A low-text solution is to only carry a single denomination. This would guarantee that you always knew how much you were paying at a checkout in a shop. You can also purchase a banknote detector a small device which will read your note and vibrate one to four times, indicating the denomination. Another solution may be to carry a purse or wallet with multiple compartments so that you can store each denomination in a different section of your wallet. However, this involves being organised and preparing before you go out. Up next, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Take it away, Roger. Hello there, everyone. Well, here I am again, one week older and just a little bit wiser, after researching the internet day and night for these interesting snippets for us to wonder at. So off we go, and prepare to be amazed yet again. Now then, did you know that? The next time you have a game of cards, give a thought to this, because each king in a deck of playing cards represents a great king from history. Spades for King David, clubs is Alexander the Great, hearts for Charlemagne, and lastly diamonds for Julius Caesar. So there you go then. 
and I thought they were just pretty pictures, eh? Now then, when you're out and about and gaze on a monument, you might like to know that if a statue of a person in the park on a horse has both front legs in the air, the person died in battle. If the horse has one front leg in the air, the person died as a result of wounds received in battle. If the horse has all four legs on the ground, the person died of natural causes. The word typewriter is the longest word that can be made using the letters only on one row of the keyboard. Stewardesses is the longest word typed with only the left hand, and rhythm is the longest English word without a vowel. Many people say bless you when you sneeze, because when you sneeze, your heart actually stops for a millisecond. However, you'll be pleased to know that you can't kill yourself by holding your breath, but if you sneeze too hard, you can fracture a rib, and if you try to suppress a sneeze, you could burst a blood vessel. And if you want to appear to lose weight, then get on the scales when the moon is directly overhead. Believe it or not, we actually weigh slightly less when the moon is right overhead. This is all to do with the gravitational pull of the moon, just like the effect of the moon has on the tides of the sea. And the strongest muscle in the body is where, do you think? Personally, I maybe would have said it's the leg muscles or biceps. Or if I go scientific, I might have thought it would be the heart, considering how hard it constantly works. Well, I'd be wrong, as I'm sure you may be if you've tried to guess too, because the strongest muscle in the body is, and wait for it, it's the tongue. Well, I'm sure that last item must be true. Any road up, I'm off. I want me a cup of tea and a Kit Kat, of course. So till next week then, I'll just say bye for now. Ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra. Up now we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us, come rain or shine, by our own Sunny Mina. weather for this week ahead is forecast to remain very unsettled with some sunny spells but plenty of showers too, some of which may be thundery. Temperatures are also forecast to remain on the cool side with a high of around 18 degrees. With continued cloud and showers expected, UV levels are set to remain as medium. The sunrise and sunset times are 5.40am for the sunrise and 8.50pm for the sunset. Long spells of rain are expected to continue on Friday 4th of August. The afternoon also brings the strong risk of some thundery downpours too, so do take care. With a moderate breeze forecast for most of the day, we will eventually see some sunny spells breaking through late in the day, allowing temperatures to peak around 18 degrees. The region looks set for rain for yet another weekend, with both Saturday and Sunday offering further possible downpours. There's a chance of the showers being a little more patchy and the sun making a brief appearance here and there. With the gentle breeze, temperatures over the weekend will continue to remain below average at 16 degrees. On to next week and the unsettled weather will continue to dominate with plenty of sharp showers. It is forecast for rain to remain in the region on Monday 7th of August and Tuesday 8th of August. With a gentle breeze, we will see temperatures at highs of around 17 degrees. The showers are forecast to be light but persistent, 
So it looks like there's another call for us to grab our brollies. But could August be brightened by some signs of summer? Well, the forecast for the rest of the week is looking hopeful. The showers should ease as we move into Tuesday evening, with Wednesday and Thursday forecast to be dry. With just a gentle breeze, temperatures should feel a touch milder, perhaps reaching 20 degrees in places. It finally looks like it might well be relatively dry and sunny. So that's your forecast for this week. And as always, enjoy the weather. Thanks for that weather update, Mina. Up now, we have a special edition of this week's sports feature. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hi there, this is Amanda, and this article is about three specific athletes who are planning to compete or are going to compete in the upcoming International Blind Sports Federation World Games. The article contains quotes from the athletes, but I wasn't fortunate enough to interview them myself. Their words are quotes from press releases that were issued by IBSA. This year, the City of Birmingham has been selected to host the International Blind Sports Federation World Games, a showcase event that is held every four years. The Games are due to take place from the 18th to the 27th of August and will be held at the University of Birmingham across the Edgbaston area and other wider regional venues. These Games represent the largest high-level international event for athletes with visual impairments. Indeed, around 1,250 blind and partially sighted athletes from 70 countries are competing in 10 sports. Three of the ten are men's blind football, men's and women's goalball, and judo, which are qualification tournaments for the 2024 Paralympic Games. These are ticketed events, along with women's blind football and men's partially sighted football. Ticket details have been recently announced and can be accessed via www.ibsagames2023.co.uk forward slash tickets. Sally Barker, chair at British Blind Sport, has commented, I would encourage as many people as possible to buy their tickets for these events, as the money will go towards helping to stage what is an historic event for the UK and sport for blind and partially sighted people across the world, and will hopefully leave a legacy by levelling the playing field for blind and partially sighted people across all areas of society. Other sports and categories featured include archery, chess, cricket, powerlifting, 10-pin bowling, tennis and showdown. These sports are open to the public to attend for free and without needing to book. Partially sighted Chris Skelly, MBE, who recently married GB wheelchair tennis Paralympian Louise Hunt, rose to stardom in 2021 when he won gold at the Tokyo Paralympics, which had been delayed by a year and was subject to COVID audience restrictions. This achievement came 10 years after the former mechanic started to lose his sight and was diagnosed with oculus albinism, Bell's reflex and extreme photophobia. As a result, he had to leave his job. Chris now aims to make history by becoming the first British judo para-athlete to retain their medal in more than 25 years. 
The 29-year-old is now concentrating on the 2023 IBSA World Games, where he can earn vital qualification points to secure a spot at the 2024 Paralympics in Paris. In an interview, Chris explained, When I won gold, it was great at being able to let people hold the medal and inspire the next generation. And I'm hoping the World Games has the same effect by showing other blind and partially sighted people that they can play any sport they want and that any sport is adaptable. The biggest thing for beginners is taking that first step. A lot of people can let disability define them, but it's important to remember you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Caleb Nenevi, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, from Sheffield, is in contention to represent his country in the IBSA. His sight loss occurred as a result of a rare allergic reaction when he was just seven years old, after he was prescribed penicillin to treat chickenpox by doctors in Accra, Ghana, where he lived at the time. Then it was as a teenager at the Royal National College for the Blind, RNC, in Hereford, where his life took another direction where he developed a passion for goalball. A keen runner, he competed at 100 metres and 200 metre events at club level, but found his calling with goalball, where players attempt to score goals by quickly and precisely throwing a 1.25 kilogram ball across the court and defending shots from the opposing team using their bodies. With the help of Goalball UK, he has gone on to compete at major European championships, topped goal-scoring charts and become one of Great Britain's best goalball athletes. Among his sporting highlights is winning promotion with Great Britain from the European Championships B in 2016 and finishing top goal scorer in the Goldfix Cup with the Northern All-Stars last year. In his interview, he enthused, We want to be one of those teams who are in the Paras every four years, having an established team and a strong core to build a legacy for ourselves and help inspire younger and upcoming athletes. Evan Malloy from Devizes is fighting epilepsy with judo and is on track to compete in the IBSA after celebrating three years seizure-free. Evan was born with ocular albinism, a condition which causes severe visual impairment, and was diagnosed with epilepsy when he was just four years old, resulting in up to 40 seizures a week at its worst. His passion for judo developed as a teenager. However, the gruelling effects of epilepsy put an end to his aspirations for the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games and almost forced him to give up the sport altogether. But with the help of British Judo and the Epilepsy Society, his own grit and determination, the 24-year-old adapted his lifestyle and has used Judo to become three years seizure-free. When interviewed, he explained, Judo has given me a lot more structure to my life in terms of how I eat, sleep and recover, which is so important to be able to control it. He picked up a bronze in the IBSA Antalya Grand Prix in April 2022, achieved fifth in the IBSA European Championships in November and scooped bronze again in January's IBSA Judo Grand Prix in Portugal. Evan says he draws a lot of inspiration from his hero, Chris Skelly, who I've talked about earlier in this article. When I was younger, I idolised Chris, said Evan. And now, Evan not only trains with Chris at the British Judo National Training Centre in Walsall, but is also his housemate. Evan continued, I am extremely lucky to say that I am an athlete full-time, but I also have disabilities and sometimes in the real world that can make things a little difficult. 
I often think where I would be without judo, and to be perfectly honest, I do not know. The World Games is an opportunity to showcase judo in Britain as it genuinely does not get enough recognition. It has done so much for me. I am hoping the home crowd can spur us on. TNF Soundings. Now we have the quiz answers for this edition brought to us by Mina. Hello and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Feeling confident? How will you score? Let's see. Question 1. Which playing card represents Julius Caesar? And the answer here is King of Diamonds. Question 2. On an equestrian statue, what features depicts the fate of its rider? And the answer here is the position of the horse's legs. Question 3. What word is commonly known as the largest word in the English language without a vowel? And the answer here is rhythm. Question 4. What is it possible to do if you sneeze too hard? And the answer here is you could fracture a rib. Question 5. Which heavenly body affects our weight? And the answer here is the moon. Question 6. Which is the strongest muscle in the human body? And the answer here, of course, is the tongue. Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back with you next week to test you all once again. Bye for now. Now then, grab yourself a cuppa and find your comfy spot as it's time for some drama. Dramatist Jeff Saunders has given Soundings contributor Amanda permission to publish his mini-comedy drama, The Sort. We've all met people like The Sort before, and it is wonderful when they get their comeuppance. All three characters are read for you by Amanda. Introducing to you, The Sort. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Hi there, this is Amanda here with something a little bit different, a bit of drama. I have a friend, Mr Jeff Saunders, who is a teacher, a writer and an actor. He's written quite a few short pieces for performance in the theatre and I have been fortunate enough to be asked by him to read some of them. This particular short piece called The Sort is one of my favourites and I'm delighted to be able to present it to you today and I do hope that you enjoy it. She was the sort of person who specialised in telling other people the sort of person she was. I'm the sort of person who just comes out with it, she would say. I'm sassy and spirited and I don't mince my words which was her way of justifying the frequent occasions on which she was spectacularly rude. I was just being honest, she said, as a friend, or soon-to-be ex-friend, wept across a restaurant table. 
I'm the sort of person who doesn't deal in bull... Which was meant to get her off the hook, we thought, while helping the soon-to-be ex-friend to her Uber, confirming with her that actually her engagement ring was beautiful and bore no relation to the one in the catalogue to which I'm the sort had referred. She needed to know her husband-to-be is a cheapskate, she said. I'm the sort of person who doesn't hold back when she can see the truth. But what if it isn't the truth? I asked. What if it's just the truth as you see it? He doesn't make the sort of money you and your friends do, and you don't like him. But she loves him, and he loves her, and... She was also the sort of person who specialised in telling other people what sort of person she considered them to be. You're the sort of person, she said to me, waving the waiter away as he hovered with the sea bass he had been about to deliver to the bride-to-be. You're the sort of person who likes to make excuses for people. You never have the courage to sit in judgment. And you're the sort of person who does? I replied, realising that I shouldn't have expressed this as a question because it was, in fact, the answer. She made the sort of shrug made by women who wear dead animals across their shoulders. I'm the sort of person who tells it like it is. Tells it as she sees it, I corrected her. Not as it is. You express an opinion as if it's a fact, but that does not make it a fact. You're the sort of person who plays with words and tries to cancel free speech, she hissed. The sort who... The sort who calls people out for being utter. And I completed the sentence with a word I won't write down. How childish, she said. Such language marks you as the sort of person who, who calls out nasty, mean-minded so-called friends. Bride-to-be returned at this point. I'm so sorry, she said to I'm the sort. I took your coat by mistake. She handed the coat back to its owner. And there I was, thinking you must be the sort of person who had lots of money. After your comments about my ring, she said. Unless... Acrylic is the new cashmere, of course. I'm the sort of person who takes a malicious delight in seeing people get their comeuppance. Don't judge me. TNF Soundings. So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us. Stay safe 
have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!